This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is Todd Seifer, CFO of Business Solver, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 507. It's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to James Danina, CFO of Snow Software, specializing in asset management solutions. Now, James built his career in the states of California and Texas. Past milestones include helping applied materials map out its strategic partnership strategy. He jumped to Pro's Holdings, where he helped execute its transformation into a cloud subscription business. And now at Snow, where now, as a CFO, he's fine-tuning the financial model behind offerings that increasing numbers of companies are referring to as cloud spend management. Our interview with James begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful.com at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking with James Danina, CFO of Snow Software. Is it based in Austin, by the way, uh, James? Can I say that? We are. We're actually, we are actually a very global company. We have offices in Austin, but also our original headquarters was in Stockholm, Sweden. Oh, really? It's a company specializing in asset management uh, solution software. Welcome, first of all, James. Welcome. Thank you, Jack. Let me ask you, uh, as we like to do, uh, to look back first and tell us a little bit about uh, some of those experiences you feel prepared you for a CFO role. What comes to mind? 
Uh, sure. Yeah, let me uh, let me jump into that. So I think uh, as I think about it, there's probably three things that I would uh, I'd probably hit on. And the first wasn't a single experience, but it's probably more of a, a series of experiences that kind of built the I'd say the building blocks of the foundation of my background in finance. And that was when I was working at Applied Materials, uh, actually based in uh, in Santa Clara, both in Santa Clara and in Austin. Um, so we had a we had a program there that, that uh, really encouraged folks to move around quite a bit. And so I got the experience uh, early in my career to really move around within, within the finance org uh, quite a bit from an operational side, working in a manufacturing environment to, uh, to traditional FP&A, to working on the corporate side, working in treasury, um, even being a controller for a period of time. So that was really something that set the foundation for me, um, where I got a very broad view of, of the finance uh, uh, the finance function within within a company, within a very fast-paced kind of high-tech company. So that was definitely a foundational piece. I'd say the next one that comes to mind would be, again, actually, it was when I uh, was, was it applied, but it was when it kind of my aperture opened up much, much more on the strategic side. And it was when I moved into a corporate development uh, function uh, there within Applied, and we had the opportunity to build that function out at a very large scale. So at the time, it was a $10 billion revenue company with 12,000 employees all around the globe, and we didn't even have a real uh, corporate development function, and our uh, CFO and treasurer at the time said he wanted to, to build something out, and I was one of the the early team members that got to do that. And so I got visibility across not only traditional M&A, but also the corporate strategy. So we ran the strategy for the company. We also made a lot of strategic investments. And we're really the, the team that, that kind of advised the rest of the company on how we made large strategic decisions. So that was definitely a, a key piece of my career. And as I look at uh, it was kind of formidable and that it, it moved me from kind of the traditional finance into something much more strategic. And, and I'd say the last piece that really kind of shaped, I think, who, who I am is uh, when I got much more operational. And the opportunity to do that was when I was uh, at my last company when we were doing a large cloud transition. So we were transitioning the business from traditional on-prem software and made the decision that we were going to do a cloud-first transition. And since I, I led finance and corporate development at the company, I was in kind of a unique position to be able to lead it from both a finance perspective, but we used the, the capabilities that we had in corporate development to really manage it like it was an integration and put program management practices in place, um, put, um, you know, steering committee in, uh, in place, and just did a lot of different things to help lead that transformation. And, and I'd say that was that was the, the point at which I really was able to bring together not only traditional finance capabilities and expertise, but also more of the operational and strategic side that I had uh, that I had learned uh, from from corporate development. So those are really kind of the three I think kind of I guess I guess you'd call them milestones, even though none of them are like a single milestone, but kind of the kind of the three phases of my career that I think have uh, have really shaped me. This question may seem a little out of, out of the blue. However, I want to ask it. Um, when you were at Applied Material uh, and you had those lines of sight into the finance organization as you uh, played several roles there over time, was there ever a layoff while you were there? 
Um, gosh, that was, uh, was there ever a layoff? Was there ever not a time when we were doing a layoff would have been the more appropriate question. Um, so <laughs> That's what I seem to recall from headlines, and so forgive me that's for right. pushing there. But I would love to, I, I think it would benefit a, a lot of finance leaders to understand how challenging a time that is. And, um, you know, uh, having been sort of in the, the you know, in that organization uh, as a finance professional, um, how a culture deals with that. Would you have anything you can share about that um, as an organization goes through that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a few things. So, so you know, to the question, was there a lever layoff? Yeah, there were there were there were many layoffs, um, and uh, you know, I actually think Applied did a really good job of managing through those, and, and it was a kind of an unfortunate fact of being in a capital equipment industry in a space that was cyclical on its own to then be the capital equipment supplier to it. Um, those cycles were were uh, were magnified quite a bit, and so. We went through quite a number of, of layoffs while I was there, and, and being on the finance side, you know, I was often deeply involved in, in many of those, um, and it was often, uh, you know, in a, some of them were in a very kind of impersonal way, you know, where it was a, a spreadsheet of looking at, you know, where, where can we cut cost. Um, that was that was kind of the old way we, we progressed, and we actually got much better. So, I, I think the the, the thing, though, that you can learn from that and, and what, what I learned a lot from it was trying to build organizations that are flexible and scalable, both up and down, um, and being able to – because, one, if you, if you take the inverse of the layoff, there was the other side that, that you had to come out from. So often what would happen is you would have a downturn would hit, and you would have to reduce, you know, reduce headcount pretty drastically, and those were never fun situations, but you had to do it with the mindset of, I know the market's coming back, semiconductors aren't going away, and we know it's going to come back as fast as it went away, and so how do you actually go go into an environment where you're going to have to lay off, you know, 20, 30% of the workforce, but know that you're going to have to actually hire back those same people, possibly in the future. And so you have to treat them all with a lot of respect, um, and you have to be very, very respectful through those processes. And, and I think Applied did a really good job of that. I think Applied had a good culture of, of managing, you know, through those layoffs and managing the, the, the people well because um, – and, and the reality is it was a business decision because we had, we had to because we were going to have to hire them back, and so we didn't want there to be a ton of ill will uh, towards the company. Um, and so I learned a lot about that in terms of just, you know, treating people with respect, even in, in difficult times and difficult situations, and also in terms of building scalable um, and kind of flexible businesses, you know, whether that's using, um, you know, pushing some of that uh, uh, flexibility off to contractors or, or contract workers that were maybe in, in different, uh, different locations, or building in uh, kind of more flexible work environments that allowed for that. So, I mean, there was there was a ton of things that I could probably point to that I learned from from the, the, the layoffs that, that happened that, that applied. But those were two of the key ones. No, that's great. That's great. I think uh, as we've learned over time, some of the best lessons come in the hardest of times. So that perspective is always invaluable. 
Now, we'll touch uh, more on your career a little later during the mentoring round. But as you arrive at Snow, uh, I believe this is your first uh, CFO tour of duty. Uh, we'd be curious to, to learn what was the opportunity that led you there. I suspect it was the opportunity to lead, but uh, what would you share with us? Yeah, so I think it was, um, so, so yeah, there's definitely an aspect of that opportunity to lead and kind of be, you know, lead the finance function. But I'd say the biggest thing that probably uh, brought me here was the opportunity of the company and the market. Um, you know, I saw, you know, I'm, as I mentioned in my background, I mentioned that kind of I've got, I'm not your traditional finance guy. I'm not your, your bean counter. I've got a lot of, uh, I'm very growth oriented. And so everything I look at has to have a, a growth aspect to it. And I looked at the market opportunity that we have here at Snow and saw a, a huge market opportunity because I know the challenges I've faced in my own career in, in finance and I'm trying to get visibility to understand our cloud spend or understand our spend in technology. And it is a, it's a, it's a challenge that, that I've faced at every step of, along the way of my career, and I know that every other finance function in, uh, in, in the globe has the same challenge. So I looked at that and said this is something that, is, uh, that there's, a, there's a huge market opportunity there, and there's a huge opportunity for growth and something that I'd love to, uh, I'd love to be a part of. The, the other piece was just the, the people, and, you know, and obviously that was the other piece that uh, attracted me and interested me in it. Okay, so you're you're uh, relatively new in the role, so I have to. Uh, it's kind of hard to say have you reorganized finance or what what this organization, how it's likely to be different in 12 months. But what would you tell us about your priorities as you uh, as you arrived there early in the year of 2019? Yeah, so I'd say uh, one of my big priorities is to really empower the finance and accounting functions to be real business partners to the rest of the business. And, and it's been a bit of a, a, a change in mindset, I'd say, not only for the, the folks in finance, but also for the rest of the organization to see how finance can take a much more active role in helping to, to lead the business. Because we have our own transitions and transformations ongoing here at, uh, at Snow. And, and, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was not to reorganize the team, but to kind of refocus the team on really being those the, that business partner. And so um, that's been a lot of my focus here in the, the early days is to, to kind of reorient the team to say we're not just the guys who sit in the back office and, and, and watch the business, but we actually have a hand in actually shaping the business and shaping the direction of the business. So really to change the, the focus to be much more growth-oriented. But, um, you know, one of the mantras that I always have here and I've talked about in front of the entire company is we're a growth-oriented company, but we're going to grow profitably. So we're very focused on profitable growth, uh, which is where finance plays a very key role. Now, a fair portion of your career was spent in large enterprise companies, um, applied material, uh, for example. But at some point you decide you, you want to lead, you want to be a CFO. Tell us about that decision. Um, you know, I think it's the, the biggest thing that probably led me to that is wanting to really be a part of drive, helping to drive the business and drive those decisions and not just be a piece of it. But uh, as I mentioned before, you know, I've got a, a strong kind of uh, tilt towards, towards growth and, and operational side. And, you know, being in a, a smaller, kind of more nimble company that has, 
that has you know huge growth opportunities and lots of scaling problems and challenges. It's not the run-of-the-mill. Let's let's kind of uh, set the plan. Let's operate to that plan and let's uh, let's kind of make marginal improvements. It's around you know having the opportunity to make larger bets um, and and have uh, and, and place those larger bets in, in an area where you can you have a, you can make a bigger difference not only personally within the company but where the company can make a bigger difference because it comes from you know somewhat of an unknown space um, you know companies uh, you know only a little over 100 million in revenue we we hit that milestone uh, late last year. And so we're still relatively unknown in the technology space, but as I mentioned, there's a big opportunity. So I think there's the opportunity to actually be known. And so I think one of the things that led me there, and one of the things I, I speak a lot about with uh, with our CEO Vishal, is we want to we want to be we think there's an opportunity to make put snow on the map, and we want to be the, the people where people say, oh, those are the guys that did that, you know, that did that at snow. And so at a, large, at a smaller company, you've got a, a bigger opportunity to do that. Okay. We want to ask you for a finance strategic moment, and this is it can have happened any time during the course of your career, and I'm sure you've had quite a few. Uh, but this is where your lines, in, lines of sight into the organization allowed you to see an opportunity or a risk. What comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one that I kind of mentioned a little bit before, which is when we, in my last company, when we decided to make that major cloud transformation, and we did it as a public company. And so by doing it as a public company and saying we want to transition to the cloud and become um, and, and be a SaaS company, it was, there was a lot of risk involved. And um, because there was risk involved, we want to be very thoughtful about how we did it. Um, and so it gave me and the rest of the finance organization that opportunity to really step up and take a larger position and a larger, uh, um, uh, larger role and responsibility because we had to change the, the way we managed the business. We had to change the way we measured the business. We had to change our KPIs. We changed our operational cadence. Um, and, and the group that did that was – was, was my finance team, so it was it was a really uh, exciting time to, to do that, and it was a, a lot of high pressure and kind of high high reward though, because like I said, we, we managed it like it was an integration, and for you know if you've ever been, you or any of the other listeners have ever been involved in integrations, you know that's a it's a very fast paced environment, and the, the good thing about those is they typically only last for you know, three to nine months, whereas this was something that went on for several years because it takes a long time to transform a company. And so it was um, it was an exciting time, but it also, it again, it gave me and the rest of the finance team the, the opportunity to really step out in front of the business and help to, to lead it in, a, in a, a serious way. And it's one thing that, you know, I talk about with the finance team here at Snow, because, again, we're going through some of our own transformations as a, as a company at Snow, not only some of the things we're doing with uh, new product offerings and, and also expanding the markets we're in. These are opportunities for finance to really step up and, and be much more active in the business because as you make changes and you don't just run the business as usual, you want to make sure that you understand what your path looks like and how you're measuring the business along the way. 
and, and we're the, the we're the group that can that can do that and be the partner for the rest of the business and and uh, help help each other uh, uh, hold everyone accountable. Curious about the mindset of the finance team in terms of how it prioritizes as you went through this transformation to a subscription model. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. And, and uh, I think one of the things, and this wasn't something that I, I, that any of us at the time thought about up front, but it's something that really just kind of happened. Uh, but the finance team had to start to think much more about creating kind of this long-term value for our customers because when you're not in a SaaS world or you're not a cloud company, you think a little bit more transactionally and you think about customers as someone who you sell to, you collect from, and you move on to the next one. And, and you, you know, of course you collect maintenance from them, but you, you think of it much more transactionally. And, you know, the entire company thinks that way and, and, and especially finance and accounting boards think that way because they're, they're just looking at it from a, a dollars and cents perspective. As you become a SaaS business and uh, your, your products are much more in the cloud, you really change your mindset to where you think about the customer um, in a very different way. They become an integral part of your business. They don't just become that transactional uh, part, but they actually become the, uh, much more of the lifeblood of, of day in and day out. And so because of that, you have to put yourself in their shoes much more than you ever did before. Um, and that could be from, you know, how you handle from a collections perspective. It could be from how you work with the engineering teams in terms of, you know, the ease of use of the products. Um, it's uh, It could be on how you actually even construct your contracts to be a little bit more customer friendly, to allow them to get onto the platform with you, knowing that if you treat them right, that you'll, you know, you'll get rewarded in the long term uh, from those. So it was, uh, it was something, like I said, it wasn't um, – it wasn't as obvious to me when we first started that transformation that that was going to be so pervasive and even pervasive within the finance team, but it was something that over time it became very evident. And so now here at Snows, we've got the same, you know, very similar kind of situation. It's uh, it's part of the kind of the, the mindset that I'm trying to bring to the, the finance and accounting teams here as well. As we kicked off, you mentioned Stockholm. Uh, as the headquarters, is that right? Uh, That's right. So yeah, yeah. So the the company has um, we kind of almost have a thing almost like a dual headquarters right now because we actually the the significant portion of our engineering um, team, uh, the vast majority, is still back in Stockholm. That's where the company was founded, and so there's a pretty heavy uh, basis base back there in Stockholm. And then our U.S. headquarters is here in the U.S. in Austin. Um, but it's, a, it's an extremely global company. Um, we are actually in more than 20 different countries around the world, and it's not your typical um, – a lot of companies will say we're, we're global and we're in you know, 20, 30, 40 different countries. That typically means that they've sold into those countries. We actually have presence in more than 20 countries around the world, and so it's a – it's a bit of a, a unique differentiator of Snow relative to some of the other uh, players out there because we can be close to those customers very easily because we have that local presence. Now, that's the that's the benefit of it, of course. Now, from a from a finance perspective, it's it's a, it's a huge challenge, um, you know, to actually have to run payroll in more than 20 different countries and to actually have to have statutory books 
um, uh, basically managed in more than 20 countries in a company of our scale, it's not it's not easy. But uh, but it's definitely uh, that's the cost that goes along with that benefit of being able to be very close to our customers around the globe. And you yourself, uh, your career, you've been based in Silicon Valley, in the Bay Area, and you've been in Texas. Is that right? That's right. Uh, are yep. there other geographies uh, nope. as that's well, that's or that's that uh, sum it up? Those, those are the those are the main two, and, and then the last uh, last several months, it's been um, in seat you know twelve C on the United flight. So we'll be back with CFO James Danina after this. The business landscape is changing quickly as the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases. You need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Well, we're going to jump to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and uh, inform future finance leaders. I want to know what it is today that's exciting you about finance and business. Um, so, so I think one of the things that's exciting to me today is some of the new ways and uh, some of the ways in which people look at the value of a business. Um, it's not it's not uh, kind of the traditional way in the past of just doing a simple kind of discounted cash flow and let's let's value that uh, that business that way. Um, it's much more about looking at market opportunities of companies and and understanding you know what is the size of the market where is a company sit within that market today what does the growth trajectory look like and looking at business models over a longer term i think that actually opens up the opportunity for uh, for folks in finance to really play a more active role in thinking about how to uh, how to build a, how to build a company and it's it's not 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 in the kind of the traditional sense, like I said, of let's just build a five-year discounted cash flow model, but it's more about under you know understanding the where the company fits within its market. Why, why that's exciting to me is it's it's just something new. It's it's something that you know maybe used to be more set aside for more the, the folks that were the the strategists um, or maybe the, the marketing organizations, but I think finance now has a a better uh, a better seat at the table for for some of those decisions. Well, again, uh, it's been uh, coming up by the time we post this podcast. You'll be there half a year, no doubt, um, uh, at Snow. But we want to ask you, what is that piece of advice you wish someone had given you when you walked in the door? So it was only so many months back. But uh, uh, anytime you take over the reins of leadership, uh, it's always a good time to, <laughs> to, to recall that first 30 days. What advice would you have for let me let me phrase it this way? What advice would you have for other CFOs for their first thirty days on the job? 
Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing is is to really understand the, the state of the business and the state of the people in the business and to not just kind of uh, uh, and not just kind of assess, you know, the work that's going on, but really look back and try to understand the context of why people are where they are or a business process is where it is. Um, you know, I think that's that's one thing that I think I didn't have as enough of appreciation for in the first 30 days, and that's grown over the last uh, last several months to to really ask more questions of not only what we're doing today and how we're doing it, but what is it that led up to us being in the situation that we're in? Because it's easy sometimes to step in and say okay, I see how we're doing it today, and here's a better way to do it. And everyone to say, yeah, that's right, that is a better way. Um, but the reality is you can't always get to that new place, and there's there you know, can be 15 reasons why uh, why we are where we are. And so I think that the, the piece of advice that I, I would give to others is really understand context um, and understand the history because people are always want to hear your perspective on – on where we should go, um, but they almost they they have the benefit of knowing the the context on why we are where we are, and so I think it's better to to ask the questions yourself to to understand more before putting any uh, strong positions out there. Do you have a a personal habit or a part of your routine that you uh, believe has contributed in some way to your professional success? Gosh, I'd say um, probably the my my personal habit is trying to connect with people at a human level, and, and I hope that doesn't sound too cliche, but it is how I how I really feel. So you know, again, kind of that context piece. I really feel like it's important to connect with not not only the, the people that um, that work for me, but um, that, that I work with across the organization, but to really connect on that that human level because it's amazing how much how much easier it is to get things done when you you actually can um, when you have some type of relationship that you're building upon. And so I, I probably spend more time you know trying to ask personal questions about folks and trying to understand who they are a little bit. Uh, as opposed to just kind of jumping right into the, the business relationship. Okay, so we always like to ask for a book recommendation. Does anyone uh, book come to mind for you? You know, it's funny. I uh, it, when, whenever people ask me about a book, uh, they always think I'm going to come up with a, a finance book. Um, and, and you know, while I do read read a lot of those, um, the one that I've that's been tried and true to me that's kind of I've always been able to apply. And again, it goes back to to Applied Materials Days, is a book called The Goal by Eli Goldratt. Um, he was actually an advisor to the company for many, many years to Jim Morgan, who was the CEO at the, the time and, and later went on to just be the, the chairman. But Eli Goldratt would come in and uh, and would give advice to, to the company, and there were many times in which we had company-wide sessions that he led. And so the book The Goal, it's, it's written in a very – it's one of those books that you can read literally sitting down in one sitting, but it's all about bottlenecks and bottlenecks in a process and identifying and looking at the flow of the process and trying to identify your bottleneck. And if you don't actually understand the entire flow from beginning to end, <clears throat> what ends up happening is people go after the thing that they think is 
is what's causing you know the output not to be what they expected it to be. They fix that one problem, and they realize output never really changed. And it's because they didn't look at the entire process, and they they almost over optimized one piece of the process, while not you know not thinking about all of the the subsequent steps down the road. So, and this is something that it's it's funny because it it's not a, a manufacturing analogy. Now, of course, this works in manufacturing, and it's really easy to understand there. But it works in you know, and, and finance too. Uh, when we talk about, you know, budgeting and actually managing to, uh, you know, kind of course correcting in the business, I could add 15 people in FP&A to make it where we could turn budgets around faster and we could, um, we could, you know, report actuals out to the business faster. But if I don't, if if I don't have the right team on the accounting side that can close the books any faster. Um, then that's not going to help me. So it's like you have to actually look at, you know, adding kind of increments in each one of the, the right pieces along the way in the process. Okay. A great, uh, great choice. And we're up to our final question where I get to ask you for your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months. Yeah, so I think um, – so my, my priorities are, are a couple things. One, it is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that I'm, you know, still new to the organization. And so part of it is just really getting kind of uh, uh, getting the, the finance team aligned with the rest of the business. Um, you know, I talk a lot about business partnering, and so I want finance to become integral to to the overall business, not to say that hasn't been the, the case before, but it's an area that I'm, I'm putting a lot more focus and emphasis on. So I'd say that's that's number one. Number two is probably around kind of having a very kind of stable and consistent process in finance organization. So, you know, I do, in order to help kind of fuel, fuel growth in a business, you have to have that stability and that consistency. And so I'm, I'm really focused on kind of driving that, uh, uh, driving stability and consistency within the finance function. And then I'd say the the last piece has to do with you know helping to you know drive and execute to the business better than our plan. Um, that's something that we always talk about and focus on. But you know we've got a plan out there that we're that we are held accountable to that our uh, constituents hold us accountable to. And you know I want to always have focus on you know hitting and exceeding against that plan. James Danina, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. All right. Thanks, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.